Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Chris. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. And this week, we have gotten a lot of emails. And we have. And we think that a lot of these emails are very pertinent to a lot of you out there. I think a lot of you can benefit from the things that have been written in. And so because of that, we have a new and improved mailbag of holding episode number two. <laughs> improved? Improved. What does that mean well, about the old mailbag of well, holding? Well, they're, they're good, but you know. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> no, these, these ones are just as good as the other ones, but we're helping expand your knowledge of the dungeon mastering world. And I think a lot of these questions are very relevant to many of you. I think you can all benefit from this. So before we get into the meat of this episode, we have some five-star reviews from all of our favorite listeners who have left them so far. Our first review comes from Chicken Boss, uh, and he writes, Awesome podcast, five stars. A great podcast for anyone who plays D&D or RPGs in general. Full of great tips and ideas to get those creative juices flowing. It's just downright awesome, and not how people use awesome today. Like 1940s atomic bomb <laughs> awesome. Whoa. So awesome, it's magical. Hashtag magic mark. <laughs> I don't know so how many awesome things the atomic in. bomb is. Okay. <laughs> he did put hashtag magic mark. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you, Chicken Boss. Thank you. Our next one is from DM Grendel and is entitled Exactly What You've Been Searching For. And DM Grendel writes, I've been tuning in to listen to Chris and Mitch since last fall and they've had a profound effect on my DMing abilities. In college, you just don't learn the content of your classes. You learn how to think critically and how to evaluate the world around you. This podcast has had the same effect. I've learned so much more than how awesome mind flayers are, although they are pretty awesome. I've learned how to be more creative, how to work with my players, and how to make sure that everyone at the table, myself included, has a better time. The meat is exactly that, the dense and delicious centerpiece <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> Mitch and Chris always manage to cram a lot of material into each episode, so second listenings are suggested. They are highly suggested. We're like right, a T-bone steak <laughs> to your ear. Storytime has been especially wonderful because it helps me visualize the kind of world that I can build for my players. Over the past several months, I moved six states away from my friends and my life, but no matter what happens, this podcast has remained a steady source of ideas and inspiration. I look forward to it each week. If you're looking for tools to help make you the best DM you can be, take a rest, my friend. Your search is over. Boom. <laughs> Thank DM you, Grendel. DM Grendel. That was awesome. So our next one is from Crazy Gude. Writes in, what I never knew I needed. Five-star review. Chris and Mitch are amazing sources of inspiration and advice. I've only been DMing for about a year, and my players certainly seem to think I'm all right. But I'm itching to start my next campaign with all the juicy tidbits that I've learned. Their Divine Spotlight episodes are my favorite and have inspired me to make a Divine-based campaign. Nice. That would be awesome. kind of fun. Whether people ascend into godhood or you're mm -hmm. playing as gods... That might even be interesting. Be Play as gods to create a world. That'd that be would pretty, be really interesting. I don't know how you do that. But I don't know. I don't <laughs> just know. dump like a bunch of sand on the table and like <laughs> a mini play. trees. Go play, have fun. <laughs> and then you just walk away from the table. All right, like, this <laughs> week we're doing plaster of Paris and we're making rocks. <laughs> oh, gosh. Paper mache mountains. The Here next <laughs> five-star review comes from Ivory Goblin, edited as entitled, of course, Goblin Approved. DMs to DMs, this podcast is phenomenal. You do a great job of laying out ideas and different ways that they can be executed. As a new DM, I would find this very, very helpful, and as a veteran DM, I also find it very, very helpful. I am lucky enough to have really creative DM friends that I can toss ideas around with, and now I have two more. Yes, you do. Anyone looking to up their games and learn the do's and don'ts from people who know will be wise to listen to this podcast. Mitch and Chris... From the rocky coast of Maine, DM Ivory Goblin gives you five stars and a hearty that-a-boy. Keep it up and dungeon forth. <laughs> I just imagine him eating lobster because he's from Maine while <laughs> oh, listening to I the podcast. Lobster. I, know. I am jealous of your Maine lobster, Ivory Goblin. Yes. Thank you so much, Ivory Goblin, for that review. Well, with that, let's head to the mailbag of Holding. They've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there. 
right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? All right, so our first mailbag of holding entry comes from Mr. DM Nate, a story with some plot holes. Hey, guys, in episode eight, you guys were talking about your favorite funny stories, and it reminded me of one of my own. I was playing a rogue, and at one point, I was sneaking ahead of the party to scout and stumbled straight into a camp of lizardmen. I had been having good luck earlier in the night and thought, you know... I can sneak around these guys and steal some of their weapons. No <laughs> biggie. I then proceeded to roll uh, two crit fumbles in a row and got skewered in the chest with a spear <laughs> and down in two hits. Of course, that's what happens when you're the rogue. You have these amazing Don't get abilities. Greedy, man. <laughs> you have these amazing abilities of sneak, and you actually get to All use right. them, and you stink at them. Yep. The party took my character to a healer. That's nice. Uh, and had managed to get me somewhat conscious. And the DM made the mistake of asking me if I say any request to the healer before I go under. I told him. If possible, please leave the hole through my chest. <laughs> All right? <laughs> then I passed out, of course. Yeah, you should. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it at the time, but I figured it would be the kind of dumb thing my character would say. I guess his character is pretty dumb. <laughs> yep. I want to feel the breeze through my chest. Leave the hole. Leave please. it. It's like Gumby. You remember Gumby back in the I day? I remember There's Gumby. like the episodes where like he'd get the, the hole in his stomach or something. It's crazy. <laughs> Some several sessions later, we were in a bar, and I decided to start a bar fight to test the game's non-lethal combat since my friend had just come up with it. I smashed a bottle and made a shiv and tried to stab this guy at the bar while yelling, Bar fight! Clearly, I was not thinking straight. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> the DM gave me a stern look and said, You are about to shank this guy with a bottle. Are you sure? And without hesitation, I just rolled the attack and got a crit success. So I annihilated this innocent dude. Man. I think you got a hole through your head and not through your chest. I'm sure that, <laughs> I'm sure your DM was so happy you decided to help him out yeah, by right, uh, right. Uh, testing out his system. So he continues on. You can bet yourself that the guards of the town were after me at that point. What with everyone running out of the bar calling me a murderer? Surrounded, I looked at the DM straight in the eye and said, I feign my own death. He laughed and said, what? How? I said, you remember that hole in my chest? I stabbed myself straight through it and fake like I... I fake like I committed, I committed a Japanese samurai death. Everyone had forgotten about the dang hole until this point, so the whole table just busted out laughing. Uh. He made me roll a perform check, and we lost it as I rolled another crit success. So my character perfectly fakes his own death, and the guards just hauled what they thought was my dead body off to a mortuary and left me there. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to hear my story. Keep making the awesome podcast. That's fantastic. <laughs> I think that story in and of itself is like the epitome of like every player we hate, like just trying to ruin the game. And at the same time, every player we making love. memorable moments. Every player that we love because they really got into character and uh, made these, that's, these that awesome is fantastic. moments I'm glad that we got to read that story. That's so funny. And that was from DM Nate. So thanks, DM Nate, for that funny story with some plot holes. We appreciate that. So <laughs> our next one comes from Jake. He writes, I'm a relatively new DM. I run a few one shots, but recently I started my first full scale campaign. The DMB has been invaluable for helping me flesh out what I want my players to experience in a fresh way. Here's a topic that I would love to hear you two discuss. We're going to right now. In most lore and media, characters aren't constantly getting new and more magical items. They have one impactful item that is integral throughout their story. I'm trying out the same thing with my players with what I'm calling their campaign items. Wondrous items that, for one reason or another, is relevant to their backstory, gets more powerful as their proficiency increases. Thanks, and keep up the great work. The podcast is awesome. So thank you for that, Jake. Yeah, what do you think about that, Chris? I mean, I agree with that. Whenever you see, like, Lord of the Rings, like Frodo, he doesn't get a new sword. He gets Sting, mm -hmm. and that's integral to his backstory, and he stays with that sword. Yeah. In Harry Potter, he gets his wand. 
and that's an important for one. the most yeah. part. I mean, he gets the he gets the invisibility cloak too. He gets uh, other yeah, he gets, he gets other gets, items, yeah. but as far as like I'm th- I guess I'm thinking weapons right yeah. right now, like the specific weapon, but even like even like with the with the cloak, like he doesn't upgrade to a better invisibility cloak. He doesn't upgrade to a better wand. Like the only thing that I can think of that he really upgrades is his broom in that mm-hmm. <laughs> in that. Yeah, I guess for me the thing with I mean the thing with D&D is, is like I love that there's so many types of magical items that you can get. I mean, like we I was just looking at the dungeon or the uh, dungeon master's guide the other day and there's like 80 pages of magical items, like wondrous items and things like that. I love the fact that there's so many magical items you can craft so many different types of magical items. That being said, every time I've ever been a player, I'm like if I have these it's great. If not, I almost like it better because if I have way too many of them or if I give out way too many of them, as a DM, it gets really hard sometimes to like make proper battles because everybody's so stinking overpowered. And even as a player, sometimes I'm just like, I like the idea of not having 70 different items that I can carry around with me or have the capability of carrying around with me. I think I got that because in Skyrim, I always felt super overpowered all the time. You know how you can like constantly do whatever you want with it. So for me, I like the idea of only having one or two possibly magic items within a game. It just makes the game feel more balanced and it makes people really like have that moment of awe when they get this item that shouldn't be a normal thing for them, if that makes sense at all. He's giving them like a one, it sounds like one specific item, whether it's a weapon or their armor or a trinket or whatever it is that is specifically to their character it's built into their background and like yeah like like i've seen players do this before where we've worked and we've been like here there here's this sweet item that you start off with it's a little bit better than your normal stuff it's from your background like oh this is my father's sword but i've all too often also seen situations where players want to do that and they start off with that and then a better weapon comes along and so they throw their father's sword to the right, side because it's even it's though good. like Story-wise, that makes absolutely no sense. So I really like that Jake is taking and running with this idea of this is going to be your campaign item. This is going to stick with you, and we're going to better this as the story goes along. In your new campaign, which we're going to start the very first session tonight, my Goliath Barbarian character has a maul and he has hand axes and i went so far to go and get a hero forge mini where he's holding a maul and a hand axe and the hand axe you forgot to paint and it's not going to be a ghost item because i wanted wanted some of that translucent like sweetness to (laughs) that mini but so like in my thinking with that i was like well i want him throughout this campaign that those to be his main weapons and so i've done this before as a dm where i like i've had players say hey i want this to be my main weapon and like so it's like cool that makes sense because i like when players go i really this is important to my story and they're getting into their story rather than mechanics and they want and i i want to reward players who really enjoy story and want to get into story what like and so there's different ways you can do that such as i uh, my immediate thought was final fantasy with the materia there are these magic items that you put into slots in your weapons and so you can take a regular weapon in final fantasy and you can give it different aspects of magic so mm-hmm. it can be like absorbing health it can be like you do ice damage and you could do something like that in D where you could have something along those lines whether you call it materia and just rip off final fantasy yep. or like magic gems or whatever it is and just have something that you can like infinity in- gems whatever you want to call them <laughs> you can put in like slots in your weapon and give them specific magical power-ups basically so that that mall that your character always uses is always what they're using because it's not about buying new weapons and or about acquiring new weapons as treasure but it's about getting like upgrades i mean you could do upgrades to the items themselves like oh i'm taking the head of the mall and taking it off and making it out of cold iron which gives it other different properties and so it's the same weapon that you've been using you've just upgraded you can enchant them with different magics along the way i like i just i like that idea because there are a lot of characters like he says in all different lore that zelda you always see zelda on posters even though he does get different items in the game you always see zelda with his sword yeah you always see cloud from final fantasy even though he does 
get different weapons, like you always see him pictured with his sword. There's right. iconic items that it's like even even like Skyrim, like you always see the pictures of the Skyrim character, and he's always got that armor. Nobody actually wears that because armor because the, in the armor game. you it's, get is trash. It's trash from <laughs> yeah. right off the bat. But like if you do something like Jake is doing, which is fantastic, you can take that like aesthetic look to a character and we we realize this is a pretend game but i mean when you get to like minis or just in the fact of like describing your character i think it is cool to say i have this one weapon and if you're gonna do that you should also name your weapons mm-hmm. i'm a huge fan yeah. of naming yeah. weapons like once you give a, a weapon a name i feel like it just makes it way cooler yeah but i feel like that's just a fantastic idea just figuring out some way that your players can have, I like what he names them, campaign items, items that are going to be throughout the campaign. And you you not only watch the character grow and level up, but you watch the weapon grow and level up. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, I really like that idea. So thanks, Jake. We appreciate you writing in about that. We love that idea. We would love to hear how that's going for you in your campaign. So our next one comes from Frotastic, and he is from our Patreon Dragons anonymous section on our forum page. So if you want to be able to see things that the Patreon Dragons are doing on the forums, head over to our Patreon account, and you can get access to all of that stuff. For Silver Uh, Dragons and up. Yep, (laughs) yep. And so he writes, uh, Creative Block. And it's very simple. What do you do when you have Creative Block? question mark so i'll open it up mitch what do you do when you have creative block you listen to the dungeon masters block <laughs> we listen to ourselves <laughs> duh of course that's what you that's what you do when you have creative block no i think that we say it all the time on the show but i think that having some way whether it's your phone or carrot literally carrying around a notebook is a way that you can kind of try to eliminate creative block writing down every idea that you ever get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like I've had dreams before that I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'm tired, but I make myself grab my phone and write down like an idea because I'm like, that dream was weird or scary or whatever it was, but something about that, I'm like, that'd be cool in D&D, yeah. which shows how obsessed I am with this game. Yeah. <laughs> That's my thought when I wake up from a <laughs> Most dream. Most people do it like, oh, all right, I have something that I have to do for work tomorrow. I can't forget it. I got to write it down. <laughs> no. Nope. It's like, I got something I have to do uh, for and Dragons, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I think I write down constantly notes into my phone. We've talked about, like, Evernote. You can download that as mm-hmm. an app on most phones. You can carry around a little notebook in your back pocket or in your purse or whatever, your your purse, whatever you have, <laughs> and write down the ideas as you they come to you. I do a lot of my thinking in downtime. So like if I'm driving somewhere and I'm not listening to a podcast or I am listening to a podcast and I glean ideas from it, write it down. Write down those ideas so that hopefully like if you have a I don't know what to do this next session, you can refer back to your these notes that you've compiled of like all these great ideas and take that from there. Yeah. I think something that I do, I do a couple of different things. I read short stories. I also go and I will look up like the other day, uh, I like when I was trying to come up with this next campaign idea, I didn't know what I was gonna do and I just was like, hmm. I don't really know what would be kind of fun. And so I looked up Hawaiian island culture and I just started going off of that and like started reading history and things like that. And so I look up different histories of cultures uh, and learn many, many things from them. And like there could be like one person or thing or mythological story or something that I, I think think through and change a little bit. I also look at world religions because there's some crazy stories within religions around the world. I do a lot of just digging and reading and working through things and if there's an idea that i like i'll write it down and then i'll come back to it later and just expound on that like there was even something for tonight's campaign where like i was going through and i was working and i was just you know doing whatever and all of a sudden it just came to me and i was like oh that's brilliant i'm gonna do that instead of whatever i i was thinking and so like i came up with an idea i flushed it out and then I just constantly revisit it and just see like, okay, is that still like the best idea that I have? Or can I think about something? Because I think time can help you get over creator or creative block too. Like if you just let something sit for a while and then come and revisit it, that can help out a lot too. So those are some of the things that I do uh, in order to create get over creative block. I also think, Chris, you mentioned like getting inspiration from other sources. I think talking with other people who are DMs, is perfect and obviously frotastic does that because he's on our forums but like 
Shout out for our forums. It's a fantastic place to bounce ideas off of other DMs who aren't going to be in your games. So, like, giving stuff away there is not going to be giving well, stuff away to your crazy. players. It's crazy. They're they're building a whole world. Yeah. Like, I'm, like I'm, I'm watching it, and I'm just like, wow, that's crazy. Like, the DMnastics has turned into building this world of DMB. Like, yeah. It's crazy, <laughs> right? DMB. It's super, it's awesome. super crazy, but... But yeah, talk with other DMs, talk with other GMs, talk with other people who are interested in the same kind of thing as you are and, and aren't going to be in your campaign and have ideas ruined for you and just bounce any ideas off of them that you have. Or even, you know, if you do have this creative block and you're at a point in your campaign where you're just like, I don't know where to go from here. Like, ask other people. Be like, okay, so even if you've built yourself into a wall... Guys, I've built myself into a wall. I have no <laughs> idea how to get out of this. Can Does anybody have any ideas? Like, I'm sure that there are so many creative minds out there that it's you can find other people that can give you inspiration and maybe even say something that makes you go, oh, that is a cool idea, and how can I twist that to be my own personal thing? But that would be our advice on that. Thanks, Frotastic. Our next one comes from Dylan. And Dylan writes in, this is another story, uh, but I think this is a fantastic story from his campaign. So he writes in and he says, Today in my campaign, my adventurers were investigating what looked like a medium-sized explosion in the woods when they were approached by a hooded man with grotesque markings and boils on his body. Darion, the dragonborn, tried to shake him down for all he knew about the explosion, and while throwing the hooded man to the ground, the man pulled a card from his belt pouch and threw it on the ground. Threw it on the ground. Oh, I, like, I didn't recognize the story when you first started telling it, but now I remember this the story. Fantastic. It's awesome. Yeah. This is so good. When the card landed, a minotaur appeared between Darion and the hooded man. The man then removed his hood and began to laugh. He explained to Darion and his characters that he is of a select few who can travel through the different dimensions. These people are known as dimensionals in this world. He goes on to explain that he is a collector of champions and he has been traveling the dimensions, collecting souls of fallen champions and trapping them in soul cards or, if you haven't caught it by now, Magic the Gathering cards, giving them an army of creatures and soldiers trapped in his control. The collector said he's been around for centuries and does this for entertainment. He throws the players a deck each and challenges them to a four-on-one battle against him, and if they win, the collector vanishes, leaving the cards they used, but if any of the characters loses, their souls are trapped in a card and put in the collector's collection. I haven't come up with what happens after they lose, but I was thinking that they get trapped in the cards and they get sent to a spirit world where the others who are trapped should go, and then they should have to figure out how to release themselves. It's a cool integration of magic and D&D. It's called Game of Souls, and while playing, the players can use skills they have to do things in-game, like roll a sleight of hand check, and if they roll successfully, they can draw two extra cards or use an attack against the man with the cards during the Game of Souls. If they win, they intimidate him into forfeiting. Sincerely, Dylan. So, Dylan, that is fantastic. I think we've talked about Planeswalkers on our campaign before. Yeah. We've talked about bringing the game of Magic into the game of D&D. It's almost like this mm -hmm. Pokemon sense, like with Dungeons & Dragons. I guess I've always even thought of it just as monsters, but when you play Magic the Gathering, there's, like, there's humans, there's other races, there's elves yeah. that you can use as uh, creatures, and it would be crazy if... like. I love this idea of the game of souls that this guy is, he considers himself a collector and is just doing this for entertainment purposes. I think of the collector from Marvel and yeah. I'm just like, that's totally what this guy's like. Yeah. Like so like so much of a sociopath that he doesn't care that he's like ruining these people's lives right. and he's taking them as like, you're, you're my object. But I, I love this idea of like trapping different monsters and different creature souls inside of magic cards or whatever it is. And then being able to have them to throw out and be able to fight for them. Like, that's just fantastic. And this would be such a great idea to implement into a campaign. Yeah, it's it's like being able to summon a creature as a wizard or druid or something, but multiple, multiple times. 
and you get to fight with them. It, it's it's just a super. I love this idea. Like, yeah. This is a really really cool idea to me. And I know other people have tried. I know we've answered other emails kind of like this. I think Nerd Billy had one back in the day. Do you remember this at all? He had something with magic that he was trying to do. And so I know I know magic is something that people have tried to incorporate in the past. Uh, and it just it keeps coming up. And I just think all of the ideas that we've had are just absolutely phenomenal. So thank you very much, uh, Dylan, for this email. And if you guys have any other emails about magic being incorporated, we would love to hear them too. I would love to see a statted out dimensional, like level by level for like 5e or 3.5 or whatever it is. And I think it'd be interesting to like get like the really cheap magic cards because there's so many magic cards that you could get for like, I mean, you could get a stinking box of magic cards for, oh, yeah. for 20 bucks for a thousand yeah. of them but if you could like set some really cheap magic cards and be like at this level at level one you have access to these creatures and then like it's just a vanilla minotaur card that you throw out and that you know i mean that's pretty tough for level one but like if if you are drawing at random and things like that this could be a really cool i feel like character to play like i'd love if this was statted out to be able to play something like yeah. that or you have somebody that has like you have somebody that needs to train mm-hmm. and so they have these cards that they can throw down and use to train against and things like that i think that would be really so interesting get too. on statting it out dylan yeah let's go yeah no, i'm just kidding <laughs> come on figure it out yeah man. thank you dylan we really really appreciate it yeah so our next one comes from dm neil he is also on our patreon dragon forums as well and he says finish this story exclamation point have you ever had a story go on hiatus and picked it up or picked it back up later i.e months later years later etc same character same level new adventure kind of thing signed for every years jote maniac i haven't i i have tried to like i've never as a dm ever tried to pick up a story again months and years later i've had campaigns that have tried to pick up again as a player that i've been in and it's always hard like it's always just it's people forget why they were invested uh i think and this is this has been my experience i'm not saying it it will it'll be anybody else's experience but my experience was that it was hard to pick up it was hard to remember exactly what happened last time it was hard to get back into the emotional state of mind that i was in playing that character in the end it was one of those things that we all just kind of decided this isn't kind of i mean this isn't worth our time to to try and get back into the swing of getting to know this character again part of that was because the dm was kind of fickle in his schedule and was never really sure if we were actually going to play or not so it was always like hey we'll get back together and now we can't hey we'll get back together now we can't so i think you i think you can i think it would take a very special group of people to get back together and do it yeah i think that once once even one player starts to lose that drive to do it and to continue on. I've had players who wanted to pick up a campaign that just kind of fell apart years later. And they're like, oh, I'd love to go back and finish that and play this character again. But the idea of getting the entire group together to be able to do that with the time that, you know, and figure out a time and to get the entire group together and happy to, at this point, probably remake their characters at the level they were at and to re-get into their characters to get everybody to do that, I feel like is just such a, such a difficult task. And as, as a DM, like I have a game like that, that players have tried to do and been like, let's, can we go back and do this? And I'm like, it'll be different players at different times. And I'm just like, no. And part of that is because that campaign fell apart because problems with the players. And so I'm like, well, that campaign didn't fall apart because I wasn't into it. It fell apart because you guys were being immature and and turning a a game into a feud. And so I don't really have any, you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, I figured out how that campaign ended as far as lore and story in my world and that's good enough for me but i mean i have had planned campaigns where for specific reasons i know that we're gonna have to pick up a couple months later like in college i would go back to new york during summer break so i knew that we were gonna have to put a hold on certain campaigns and so that was planned out and it we were able to pick up after planned out are much easier to come back yeah. to i would think yeah i think i think in a plan sense it can still fall apart but you can put a campaign on hold 
for a month, like for Christmas break or for summer break or whatever it is, and get back into it. And even with those, sometimes like those first sessions, it's like, wow, I've forgotten how to yeah. role play my character. Well, we like, even had that difficult. last winter too, yep. when like you were gone a lot, and then I had things going. It yep. was just like. All right, how do I play this character again? What's going on? Yeah. But I think if you know that something like that's going to happen, like if your group is in college or whatever it is, and so you aren't together during the summer, you need to, as the DM, end off at a specific point. You can't just end off the night. You need to plan to all, plan to like end on a cliffhanger in the story to keep the players like talking about it to keep them thinking about it to keep their interest high of like oh man we left off at this point i really want to know how things work out for these characters for what happens in this story not just a like oh we ended on a a night that nothing really important happened yeah. and things can fizzle out you need to like keep that interest level high but i would i would agree chris i think for the most part the answer is no the campaigns that have kind of fallen apart for not planned all the campaigns that I've played and that have fallen apart for not planned reasons, they have not gotten finished. And yeah. it's just, it's so hard to get everybody together again, to get that interest together again. And, and honestly, I don't, for me as a, as a DM, it's like for the, some of the players who want to do that, I'm like, well, I have new stories to tell now. Right. I want to keep go- moving forward. But at the same time, it's important to finish your stories. We've talked about that before. And now I, s- I strive so hard to not let a campaign fall yeah. apart because it sucks when campaigns fall apart and you don't get to finish them. I think one thing, too, is if, if it's scheduling errors that are getting in the way, I think if you can get some sort of consistency back into your schedules, I think that can help. If that's part of the problem. Uh, but if it's lack of interest from people, it, it would be really hard. So, yeah, thanks for that question, DM Neil. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are are wondering that same sort of thing because they like as DMs, we really want to tell our story, and if we can't, kind of bugs us a little bit. And so there's always that like, what if we got back together type thing. So thank you for asking that question. Our next email comes from Matt. He writes in a story to us about DMing. He says, "Hi guys." First off, I would like to say that I love the podcast and have gotten a lot of ideas from you guys, not just as a DM, but also as a player. I found it a couple weeks ago and have listened to almost all of them in my drives to and from work. Keep up the great work. The second part of this email requires some history. So I have been playing D&D off and on for well over 20 years, all the way back to the AD&D days. I have tried DMing a couple times over those years, but never really got into it until a couple weeks ago. I got an idea for a story and asked the group that I play with if they wouldn't mind if I gave it a go, and thankfully they agreed. During the session, I had a couple moments that really made me love DMing. The first was I was describing a room that they were entering, a very dark room that their torchlight is barely able to penetrate, and they hear a sound of shuffling and creaking. At just that moment, one of the players opened the door. It made a creaking noise, and another of the players just about jumped out of her chair. (laughs) It was awesome. The second instance happened when an NPC was talking to one of the characters. The NPC is a young girl who happened to be a ghost. I realized that the player was talking to me as if I actually was a young ghost girl, and it was at that time I realized she was really into the story I was telling. Again, it was awesome. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy my little tale. Again, keep up the good work. Sincerely, Matt. And Matt also lives near in Grand Rapids yeah. near us, so Home, shout hometown. out to Matt. So, yeah. Well, I got to say, I think that this is awesome because... I think this is, like he said, he's tried DMing before and he just never really liked it. But I think this is a great story of like falling in love with DMing for the first time. Yeah. Like, I mean, anybody listening to this podcast, most people I imagine listening to this podcast love DMing. Like, I think we have some people who listen to this podcast and don't DM. But for the most part, people who listen to this podcast know what Matt is talking about, that feeling of just like, oh, that's such a sweet moment when your players are just so into your story that either a door opening freaks them out, yeah, yeah. which we talked about on the horror podcast, how it is hard to scare players. So first off, well done. Yeah. That's an achievement in itself. But like, and then watching your players like really strive to like forgetting the outside world and just talking in character to the characters you're playing. Like, it's just such an awesome thing. And I thought this was a great story 
of just falling in love with DMing that had to be shared. Because I think we can all remember one of the times, at least in recent games, that it's like, oh, yeah, that was a fantastic DMing moment. Or a lot of us probably remember our first time DMing and why we fell in love with it. And just those moments of, like, this is awesome. Uh, My players are into the story I'm telling. So thanks, Matt. We appreciate that fellow Grand Rapidian. Grand Rapidian. Bring back the Rapids. All right, so our next one is from Vulash, and he writes, based on inside information, when your characters do something with the potential to be cool, but you know based on your inside information as the DM that it wouldn't work out like they expect, what is your first reaction? So that's his question. For example, I built a small dungeon with bugbears and gnolls, and instead of entering the cave complex, they plugged up the smoke hole natural crack in the rock, and put magical darkness over the only entrance and waited. I know, based on the layout of the cave system, that it would have been a minor convenience at best for the monsters inside. Not only that, but it would have tipped them off and basically forced the party to enter a fully alert dungeon, or at best, faced an entire group at the cave entrance at once. Alternately, I could stretch the narrative a bit and roll with the scene to help the characters create a cool scene in which they get to flex their innovative muscle and prevail. What do you do when things that your players do could work, could potentially be cool, but you know based on your inside information as the DM that it wouldn't work out like they expect? What do you think about that, Mitch? Uh, I've had this happen a lot of times. A player comes up with something that I think, that's really creative. Like That's awesome that you're thinking along those lines. And sometimes you'll watch players and they'll like, you'll present a problem to them. And even like the whole group gets involved and they're planning something out and they're taking like 30 minutes to plan something out. And you're sitting there as the DM and you're like, they don't know about this. Everything they're talking about is negated because of this. I think you have to, in those moments, you have to look at the situation and we always say you should reward players for getting into role-playing, for thinking outside of the box. And so you need to really look at the situation and say, how can I, is is there a way I can change the story? Is there a way I can give them something for thinking outside of the box, for role-playing, for for doing a good job in being strategic, whatever it is, is there a way I can give them some, some points, some like, some help that can this help them out in any way? I would say if there is a way, you should do it. Like even if it's changing your story, if it's not going to change the story severely, that things are just going to become totally wrecked. Like, I think that's okay. I think it's okay to, it's your players are going to have fun when their ideas are like that. They spend a lot of time on, or they have this brilliant moment of like, Oh, I could do this. This is so, so cool. And you're like, that would be cool if this wasn't the case. Well, what if that wasn't the case? Is it going to mess things up? If not, I would say just go with it. I also have had times where I've just had to, I've had to in the moment just go, that's brilliant. However, this is the way it is. Yeah. And I really can't change that this is the way that it is. Yeah. And so there's been moments where I've had to just let players do whatever they think they're going to do and things just work out awfully for them. (laughs) Well, that was going to be my next question to you was, so, I mean, you said when they think creatively, reward them. Could you also, they think creatively, do you just allow it to punish them? I mean, if it's like all of a sudden they think of this great thing and it puts them in more danger. I For example, this with the smoke, do you let it happen? Because, I mean, they're, they're I think thinking you in reiterate, I, I would reiterate everything I've just said. You try and, I mean, it's about making it the most fun experience and trying to make it the most fun once again, bring up the horror gaming. If it's a horror game and they don't do the right thing, absolutely. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just forget it. Like this is, this is, it's supposed to be like that. And you'll have groups of players that will say that will literally tell you like, we want, if we're not doing the right thing, give it to us. Once again, we've said this all the time. You need to know your player group, but I think that you do, you evaluate it. And if you can change things to make your players have those awesome moments, because a lot of those awesome moments are moments that you're going to look back on and remember in that campaign. Yeah. And if you as a DM are just so strict in like, nope, that's not the way I had it planned, then you're going to ruin a lot of awesome moments. But there are moments that you just you can't be flexible. I think some DMs would agree on, with disagree with me, but I think that as a DM, you're there also to tell a story. And there's going to be moments where you're like, I, I can't change this. And yes, there are going to be moments where some players think 
creatively out of the box. And unfortunately, it's not only not going to work, it's going to put them in a more dire situation. And I think sometimes that's what's going to end up happening. And I think your job as the DM is to just pat those players on the back and be like, dude, that was such a great idea, but I'm so sorry. Yeah. But this is the way that it was. But still make those like moments of failures fun for them. Yeah. Like, because failure in a D&D game, in a, any RPG game, I think the amount of fun that a player is going to have is not... It said there's no winning in D&D. Winning is having fun. And so failure in any kind of role-playing game doesn't mean, oh, this sucks, this isn't going to be fun. Like A lot of times, crit ones can be the most fun thing if yeah. you as a DM make them funny and fun, not just like, I'm just going to screw over your character right now, but like make them like really fun and like looking back and be like, oh, remember the time that this happened? Like It, it can be fun. Failure can be fun. So you, it's just about, as a DM, making them fun. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, for me, if it, going back to the punishment thing, if it's going to lead to a total party kill, probably not going to allow them to do it because it's one of those yeah. things that it's like, <laughs> hey, then the campaign is over and, you know, that just seems silly to me. But if it's something that's going to put them you know, they might be doing this thing and all of a sudden it's like, hey, we want to kick down this door because we feel like kicking down this door. Well, you just, you know, you're level one and you spooked five orcs or whatever. It's like, uh, well, you decided to do that. I mean, you're going to go through with the punishment for that. But yeah, I, I think if you can and it's not going to affect your story in large ways, go for it. Like just allow your players to do it because it's going to be fun. They're going to remember it. But if it's going to severely alter your story, yeah, uh, it'd be one thing. It'd be really hard for me to be like, yeah, all right, well, sure, you can do that. And now I have to come up with a whole other campaign on the fly to try and fit what you just did. And there might be ways in that, like you just said, like the total party kill thing. Like if that's like something that may be a result of that, do your best as a DM to like think outside of the box yourself on ways that you can let them go ahead with that plan, but help them not to reach that we are all going to die yeah. thing. Like I personally think sometimes it's okay as a DM to outside of the game, talk to your players in the sense of giving them hints to like, maybe you want to be a little bit more cautious in this scenario. Like if it's a like total party kill situation, maybe you go, okay, that's a cool plan. Go for that. Do you guys want to send a scout ahead first to look and see what's yeah, what's right. going on in this right. in this dungeon or whatever it is, and, and like see what their responses to that. And like, then you send a rogue and they crit yeah, one and all, and then they and then they end up dying. Like give them a little bit of a like hint to like try and be like maybe you should do this first. And then if you can like lead them to the information where they realize, oh man, this this thing that we planned out isn't going to work. In fact, it could have led to our death. I think that's also a an option there. And I think it is okay. Sometimes if you, as the DM just go, it's up to your judgment, go, maybe this is, maybe this is one of those rare moments where I give them a little nudge in a direction outside of game. I think those moments sometimes are okay. Our next one comes from DM Zinthos. And it's also, he's also a dragon on our forums and he asks, and this is a really, Really, I think, important question he asks. So here is the question. <laughs> when is it okay to retcon? Should you retcon? And how do you retcon? And conversely, how not to retcon? So, Chris, you threw that last one out to me. How about retconning? What do you think? Retconning's a tough... It's a tough thing to think about. Well, what what is retconning, first of all, for any of our listeners who might not know? Retcon is essentially like you go through a scenario, you do this thing, or you do a lot of things, whatever it is, and then as a DM you say, actually, we're going to go back. So you do things for three days, and then all of a sudden, I mean, if the DM gets themselves into a pickle or whatever, you're like, you know what, we're going to go back, and you're going to redo the whole thing again. It's like a revision to a story, or sometimes just taking stuff out. Like the expanded universe with the Star Wars lore. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Or you do something and all of a sudden like they meet this NPC and it's like, God, I didn't want him to meet that guy yet. Just retcon everything that you knew about this character. Or I want Uh, him to, you know what? You met him at this tavern instead of at this field. Right. Because of this reason. Like, yeah. Small things are, I think, are way easier to retcon than, than the large things. Like... For example, you met this guy in a field, you met this guy in a tavern. Depending on what this guy told you, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Like, you met him at this tavern instead. Not a huge deal. But if it's like, if you go through and you all of a sudden, like, 
go through, you kill this whole, I mean, you kill this troll that has this huge thing of treasure in his, in his cave. And then they get all of this treasure and it's like, oh, sweet, we have this stuff. And they're like, actually, you know what, that's going to that's gonna screw everything over. And you're like, all right, we're going to go back two days before this hunt. It's like, that's a little bit harder because characters are involved with the things that they've got. They've went through this cool adventure to get this stuff. It could potentially take the wind out of your sails for your campaign. And it, it might be something that, that, that ruins your campaign going forward. I think with really small things, it's really easy to retcon. I think with really big things, it's really really difficult to reckon not impossible just really hard because they're they're huge usually the big things are huge plot hooks and plot points that are pretty darn hard to redo so that would that would be what i say small things go for it as long as it isn't game changing at all i agree that small things smaller things are easier to retcon and bigger things are more difficult because the bigger things are going to stick out in your player's mind but i would also say the small things, like we like we mentioned, like the the tavern and the field. You met this NPC here. Is that pretty small to retcon? Yes, but I would also say that don't retcon that <laughs> unless there is a really important reason. Right. Not just like you know what I kind of like the idea of uh, you meeting that guy in a field rather than a tavern or vice versa. Yeah. Like why would you retcon that? Is there a reason? Like is there something crucial that you completely forgot? that this is really going to mess up your story if he met him here rather than here. Because most times people are going to remember where they met him first anyways. Yeah, really, yeah. It, it'll, and if you do this and you have to do this, there's a really good chance that when you bring it up later, some person's going to go, wait, I thought we met him in a field, not a tavern, and you have to be like, remember we retconned that. Like, we had to retcon right, that. Right. Like, people will forget usually. Unless there's a real reason to retcon, I would say don't retcon. If you can think of another way to, like switch things around, then do that. There are moments, I think, that you do have to retcon. Like, I, when I first started DMing, I allowed my players to play any homebrew race as long as I said, okay, that's fine. That's, I think that's a fair race. Like, I wasn't like, oh, like, you're an elf and you're a stone giant. Like, <laughs> I'd, yeah, be, right. I'd, I'd be like, no, that's not happening. Right. But I let some players play some homebrew races that, while I've now worked through my world creation, I've gone, I don't want that race in my world. That race is just goofy. It's doesn't make sense. So I've retconned those like little things like that, that really nobody's ever going to go and go like, Oh, that race is in your world. Like most players have already forgotten that. And it's not going to matter in their long run. Little things like that, I think are okay to retcon. I think if something is crucial to your story and you can't fit, if you messed up and you botched up and you like need to go back and change things, I think sometimes a retcon is just something that you have to do, but do your best to either fix it the way it is in your story. If you, if that can't happen, then I guess, I guess retconning is all right. But little things like you said, like are easy to do and some things are so little that it's not, your players won't even ever notice. Yeah, It'll right. just be like, I, I don't remember that I we even had that race in the world. Like, right. So, right. Like now, and it most people matter. probably wouldn't like for the race example. Most people, at least the way I've never played a race twice except for a dwarf. Like, because I'm yeah. always like, I want to try yeah, the something base different. Races right. That you know, yeah. If you or I said, you know what, I'm retconning that dwarves are in this world. Right. We've used dwarves enough that it'd be like, wait, what? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, right. That's yeah, huge. but like, but yeah, if it's a small thing, like it's like, hey, I was a elephant folk or something like that, and it's like, hey, sorry, but I don't elephant folk just don't make sense here in this world anymore. Most people who played an elephant folk aren't gonna go back and play it again. I was like, oh, that was really cool. I got to play it. I I know what it's like, and then they'll want to try something else. Yeah. So things like that <laughs> probably not gonna matter. But at the same time, if you played an elephant folk race centric campaign. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And you go, you know what? Elephant folk don't exist in this. Well, you better have a reason why they don't exist in the sense, like, in the sense of you could not retcon that and have them die off from a plague or whatever if it works better that way. Or you're going to have to retcon and then everybody's going to still remember that there's elephant folk in your world and be like, yeah. but we played an entire campaign with them. Yeah. So what do you say? Well, that campaign, that that wasn't real. So, But I've definitely had moments where I've, I've reached a point in my campaign and small things I totally forgot because I've had so many layers of the campaign and I've been like, oh, 
I forgot that this was supposed to happen this way. And I've, I've just sat there and I've told my players sometimes like, yeah, guys, remember that this happened this way. I'm going to retcon and just say that it happened this small, different change. And they're all cool with it. And they, and, and I've had moments where a player will forget and go, but I thought this, and I've had moments where they remember the way I retconned it too. And yeah, I would, it's retconning is not something you want to throw out willy nilly and just, have all the time but yeah and for me too like i've had you guys in the last campaign we did meet npcs at different places because you went to a different place that that npc wouldn't actually be so i kind of like retconned my own notes to make it fit like where you guys were it didn't change the overall story it just changed like where you guys ended up meeting something like the whole thing with like caleb when he decided to teleport back all the way across the place it was like well, that totally throws off my plans for what I had at, at sea. And it was like, well, whatever. You guys can meet some of the people doing it this way. Like, it's it's totally fine. It's not going to be totally game-changing. So you can do that with yourself, too, even if it... And that way you don't have to say, well, actually, we're going to go back and say you guys did all of this stuff and go there. Like, you can just avoid all of that by changing your nose just a little bit, too. So that's a good question. Thank you for that, DM Zinthos. So that's all that we have for you on today's episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. So we hope that you enjoyed us going through some of our emails, some of our Patreon dragon questions, and we hope that you were able to glean some info from this second episode of our full mailbag of holding episode. Chris, if they would like to write us in questions or stories and maybe get their story or question featured in a mailbag of holding in the future, where can they reach us at? You can reach us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. You can email all of your stories there. We would love to hear them and we will respond to them uh, and be able to have good dialogue about the things that you are asking and sharing with us. So send your emails over to dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. You can also send us a five-star review and remember to hit send. We've had some people that have written in in the past and said we didn't, I forgot to hit send and therefore you don't, we didn't get your review. So remember to hit send and then we can, I mean, we can get out in front of more people and more people know that we're legit and we're, we're actually sharing worthwhile stuff. You can also find us on Stitcher and various other podcasting apps as well. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. You can like our Facebook page. Both of those places have great memes and updates about the show. We have a Patreon member shout out of the week. And this week's Patreon member shout out is... Dave Irwin. Thank you so much, Dave. Woo. We, yeah. we really appreciate your support. You platinum dragon. Dave you. is a platinum dragon. Fear those platinum dragons. The mightiest dragons. of all mightiest. the dragons. So thank you for your support, Dave Irwin. Yeah, we thank greatly you. appreciate yes, it. Yes, we do. Well, with that, we are heading out. We are closing up shop. We are turning off the computers. We and are we're shutting not down the mics. at all. We're really done. <laughs> we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing all of the characters, and lowering all of the egos of all of the players at the table. Have a good afternoon, good evening, and good night. (laughs) Keep on Dungeon Mastery. Goodbye.